Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today I have an amazing guest, Ben from Ben Zettler Digital. Ben, welcome and uh, tell us a little about yourself and we'll jump into today's episode, which we'll be digging into how to double your conversion rate in seven days, 70 days, X number of days. But yeah, tell a little bit, uh, a little bit about yourself and we'll jump into it. For sure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I always try to get, um, people try to, I guess, maybe pigeonhole me in a way into like, you know, what is it that I do? And, and you know, maybe I have to do a little bit better job of like really drilling down to the elevator pitch, but um, there's really three key areas that I will work with um, Shopify store owners and e-commerce merchants to help them to enhance what they're doing online. And one is the optimization of their, their Shopify website. Um, I am a, a Shopify partner and Shopify expert and Shopify Plus partner. I started out as a, a Shopify store owner myself nine years ago. It's hard to believe it was that long, but it was store number 41,000 or so on the platform. And um, of course, now there's you know, 2 million merchants or so as of this recording. So, you know, very much before Shopify's rapid growth phase over the last five, six years. And that's ultimately it was the first domino to building a client portfolio and starting to work with folks on enhancing what they were doing on Shopify, but then also other areas too. And that that's other areas that I, I really do focus on as well. So one being customer acquisition uh, via paid advertising. I'm a Facebook business partner. So Facebook and Instagram advertising, as well as other paid channels are, are very much a part of what I do. And also just recently, I was named a Clavio elite partner. For anybody that's listening that's out there that doesn't know what Clavio is, though, though many uh, folks in our world certainly do, Clavio is by far my number one most recommended email and SMS platform um, for any e-commerce merchants, but in particular on Shopify. And it's exciting for me just to toot my own horn for a second, just because the, the elite partner tier, I guess, is the... Uh, yeah. The top, I think, 0.2% of, of Clavio partners that they told me. So uh, it's good to be recognized, but um, but uh, you know, it also speaks to ultimately what we we offer as a, a service to clients and um, you know, optimizing what they're doing there as well. So that was more than more than 30 seconds or so, but but hopefully gives people <laughs> a little bit of a feel for what I do. Awesome. Well, we're gonna extract out and pull a lot of those insights and learning lessons that you have from Clavio and across all the other brands that you and your team manage. So for just to set the context for everybody, since we go on this podcast, we go back and forth between very much in the weeds on tracking and consent and everything that that is like the broccoli in terms of chocolate and broccoli. Today is going to be very focused on the chocolate and conversion optimization, which ultimately is very near and dear to our heart at Elevar as well. And the way we're going to frame this it, today's convo is taking if we're just to come in and say, all right, our our goal, we're tasked with doubling this particular site's or brand's conversion rate in uh, 100 days. Where are the different areas that we would start looking at and just start knocking things down? So brick by brick, it's not going to be one test that'll double a conversion rate. It's likely going to be a holistic approach of just looking at what they're doing and optimizing different parts of their uh, their funnel, their their site, et cetera. Uh, so no pressure, Ben. 
we didn't do any prep on this. We did a little bit, but I don't know what Ben's going to be sharing and presenting. And he doesn't know what I'm going to be sharing and presenting myself. So uh, hopefully this is helpful. All right. So let's start with the, what are the top things that a Shopify owner, a brand owner, marketer, what are, what should they be doing that they're not doing? So what do you typically see? And this is going to be, you know, that first tip of the iceberg of just coming in to assess a, a site. What are some things that uh, you see Shopify store owners not doing? You know, it's a great question and it can be answered in a few different ways, depending on where that particular merchant is in their life cycle. So, you know, we, we talked about this before we, we hopped on here. You know, one of the questions or the first question that I really love to ask any merchant, regardless of kind of where they are at in their journey is, if you went to your website as a shopper, would you buy something? And maybe that's a better question to ask for a lot of folks that are either just first starting out or, or growing or, or kind of reaching a phase where maybe it's time to consider like a major overhaul to their content and formatting and what they're doing. But so often um, you'd be surprised. Like I, I will literally ask that question to folks and they they can't say yes and they don't want to say yes. Oh no, absolutely not. Like I, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. Okay. Well, that's a great first step. It's a good first step to recognize that, hey, like there are some obvious things here that even if they're not necessarily a very technical person in terms of like the back end operations of how you might make something happen in a website, if they can recognize that, then that that's really good. And, and usually what what does that mean? Like what are we thinking about when I ask that question? And this is really what's applicable ultimately to any merchant is how easy is it to buy something? Are, are you getting to a product page for your most sought after products in like two or three clicks at most? Um, is it uh, easy to navigate through your main menu navigation to find ultimately what you're trying to sell and to educate customers if it's a sort of unique product or if it's something like, I don't know, like in the health space and you need to um, educate somebody on like, what are the benefits of a, a particular product versus like, you, know, you don't necessarily need to do that for a t-shirt. So really the, the, the simple high level question, which obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but, but asking folks, you know, one, would you buy something from your own site? And two, are, are you making it easy for shoppers to actually go and do that, to actually go and buy something? Yeah. So, um, those are the first, how do you handle the bias? How would you handle the bias of the, if the target persona? So let's, let's take the, like the health type of site. What if the, the marketer or business owner, what if they're not in that primary persona, the primary target? How do you, how do you handle that bias in both ways? So one could be their feedback doesn't really match how you should be talking to that, their, your particular customer type. And then the opposite, the other side of that is not taking the bias of, I think, you know, I think I should have this on my website because I see other sites that I shop on use it, but not applying that bias to the same site. Because again, it might be a different, different communication strategy with uh, the people that you're targeting. How do you, how do you handle, or how would you handle that? I think there's a few different ways and ultimately any information is good information if it's balanced with some other things to either support that or to, to kind of combat or go against that. So you, know, you want the, the founder's input or, or the, the input of like whomever is the you know, main point of contact or marketer that's, that's working within that site on a day-to-day -day basis. But other pieces of information that are definitely going to be effective in term determining like 
where are some of the stopping points when someone's navigating through a site and where, where are some of the, the difficult spots? You can pull that out in a few different ways. Like certainly um, you know, polling some of your best customers. So people that are actually engaged with the brand and still buying, but you know, even if they bought five or 10 times in the last year, they might have some things to say about what might make it easier for them because they feel so uh, passionate about you know, this particular brand. Just jump in. That that was a really, really good point. I just want to make sure that I service that. So take your top segment of customers and poll them. So don't just show potentially a poll on their site, reach out to them, try to get them on a phone call, interview them, ask them what's, what is it about the site, the brand, et cetera, that keeps them coming back and use that information back, use what they're, they're telling you why they're, they continue to buy and use that information to pull back into the site. Did I get that right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think there's, it, it's, it's kind of like this, like, you know, you have a route and there's all these different branches that you could potentially go depending on your situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's say you're more of a startup kind of brand, you know, whether you're doing absolutely nothing in sales or you're doing like a couple thousand dollars a month or five figures a month or something like that, you know, you might go the route of something like a, and not that it, Anybody shouldn't do this, but but this is where it might be most helpful. Like you might go the route of doing like a, a survey that's like served via an automated flow in Clavio after somebody's second or third purchase or something like yeah. that. Something that you can get some quick feedback. You can make some relatively easy changes on your site. You know, if you don't have, let's say, the resources to go through the whole process of reaching out directly to customers and determining like what are the sort of optimal things that could potentially be changed on the site, which would theoretically be just a much larger project. But on the other hand, for a situation where budget may allow and timing may allow and just available resources may allow, yeah, like doing the the kind of scrappy things like actually calling a customer that has bought from you five times and emailing them directly as opposed to through a mass mailer. And just doing some of these things that you can get some key pieces of feedback, you can compile that into, um, you know, a document or just, you know, something that that breaks down other information from other sources and determine like, well, do we need to do a product page redesign? Do we need to do a main menu redesign? Do we need to do, you know, something else with how we structure content uh, on the homepage? Um, and even further than that too, like things like user testing um, from anonymous sources, like folks that have never seen the site before and getting you know them to just um, get real, some really good feedback on the general user flow and how to find the things in the site is also really helpful. And combine that with the assumptions that, you know, an operator or, you know, brand owner or whoever, whomever it may be may also have can, um, you know, act as a really, really good foundation across the board for making improvements at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bubble wrap these two up. So tactic number one will be just ask, would you buy from your site? Yes or no, and start to list out the reasons why and understand if there is bias or not. Number two is actually take the time to talk to your customers, like human to human. So pick up the phone, email, et cetera, those VIP segments, and really start to understand what their deep reasoning is that you might not be able to get out of post purchase surveys, et cetera, or automated flows from email. Uh, but then actually, number three is so there's three tactics or action items here before even getting into some of the uh, some of the rest of the ways to double your conversion rate. Number three is actually putting your site in front of 
people that have not purchased before. So user testing and I know winter with a winter with a delta or with a Y is more B2B focused, but basically getting that the three second test of does is your copy and hook and messaging and creative does it resonate with your target audience? But basically get that qualitative feedback from people who have not purchased and use that to potentially weigh again. Are you, does your site actually talk to your target personas? So I think that's the first three items that I miss anything. No, I think that really covers it. And, and, and that is like sort of um, uh, step one to then, you know, in theory, making actual you know, specific changes to the site and where that should give the ideas for, okay, now we want to test the formatting of this menu and run an actual A-B test. Or we want to test, you know, where, how product uh, images are formatted on the PDP. Or we want to test, you know, the uh, landing page that we're sending users from, from an ad or, you know, anything and everything that it might be. For those that are listening, if you don't have event tracking set up on your site, make sure to get that as well. So you can use that all of our free Chrome extension just to point and click to add event tracking. So you can balance that if you're looking at a PDP or a collection page and you want to understand what filters are people clicking on, what navigation item are people clicking on, what's the conversion rate for those different activities. And that can really help balance balance out the, the with the qualitative data as well. All right, so let's move. Let's move to email. So let's assume that it's you know a seven figure, seven figure brand. They have a decent size email list, and again, we're coming in with the premise of we've got to double our conversion rate in 100 days. Walk us through what is like an email audit, or the first couple of things that you would do to uh, to really focus on that goal. Sure. So first is I try to have a good, honest conversation with the merchant that I'm working with about. Where are the users that are in your list? Where have they come from over time? So mm-hmm. if you're a brand that's been around for a few years and in all likelihood, you've probably been on different systems. So you've gone from, you know, MailChimp to, you know, up to a higher level tool like List Track or Salesforce Marketing Cloud, or you were on Bronto and then Bronto's going away. So now you're moving over to Clavio and it's just, you know, along the lines here, then like, oh yeah, we bought this list of 50,000 users four years ago. And that's just sitting there <laughs> and we're always emailing these people. So like, These are all important things to know. And certainly there's things that we can just technically sort of uncover based on performance. Um, But whether, you know, you're, um, you know, in the sort of agency space, kind of like I am, or whether you're just a, a, a brand marketer, you know, you should really think about Who's in your list? Because, you know, if you have 50,000 names or, or contact emails, generally a significant um, per, uh, significant portion of those are, are just going to be completely irrelevant for your business, whether or not you've you know acquired those names legitimately. Um, just because, you know, people go dormant, people lose interest, you want to make sure that you're you're getting the most out of your email and your text marketing program from people that are likely to engage. And that's really important because that's ultimately going to dictate like better performance just from reaching people where, you know, the content you're sending is relevant, but you know, also on the more technical side of, you know, deliverability and domain health and, you know, if you're blasting those 50,000 users and 30,000 of them, you know, have never bought from you before, never opened an email, well, that's going to be a signal to the Googles, the Yahoo's, and the Outlooks of the world that ultimately they should not deliver any of your messaging to user inboxes. And then you get into a whole nother like snowball of issues from a deliverability perspective. So that's that's kind of step one. Now, step two, 
you'd be surprised, like even with just some of the the larger brands that that ultimately we work with, you know, there's just a lot of things that aren't necessarily being done from an automations perspective. And when you're using a tool like Clavio or really any other email marketing tool that's out there, take advantage of automated flows and tr- meaning triggered messaging that can serve once a user is satisfied a certain condition. Um, because that's going to ultimately convert higher than manual campaigns that are sent. Um, you're going to get more users opening, more users clicking, more users buying. Um, and there's just different ways to, to um, I guess, optimize that process, we'll say. The places to start, your welcome flow, certainly, your abandoned cart flow, certainly. Thinking about a, a browse abandonment flow for users that are coming back to the site and you already have their information. Uh, post-purchase flows, which I, I don't think that enough brands really get into, especially those where you tend to have a high repeat purchase rate, but you want people to uh, really come back fairly quickly after their first order. I, I always use the example when I'm talking to potential clients of like Under Armour is always a, a really good user of this tactic. And I'm, I'm biased to Under Armour because you know we both went to Maryland. It's an Under Armour school yeah. now. I guess you were there before it yeah. was. but So I'm a big fan of the brand, but if I buy something- You call me old? Are you well, calling me old? I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, but I think we just started. Yeah. We, we, uh, when I was there, they just started getting the, uh, yeah, the Under Armour uniforms right. going. But exactly. Yeah, I'm old. I turned 40 a couple months ago. So yeah. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm feeling it too. Like I was shocked. Like when I turned 30, <laughs> like last year, like that's when it really, yeah. uh, things really started to hit me. But, but like one thing that Under Armour, when I've bought from them before, I think has done really well is like, um, you know, you, you, one, one day or two days later, depending on the frequency, They'll serve, a, you know, you just earned a $10 armor card and it's it's really just a discount for $10 off your next order of 50 or more. But did I use it? Yeah. Yeah, I used it. And it was a two week only thing. And it's so two weeks after making an order, I'm making another order. It's just, it's a really good yeah. tactic that I just, it's a, it's a very specific recommendation, but I just, I don't see enough brands doing it and it can be pretty powerful. You know, in a similar way to like replenishment reminders, like if you have a consumable product, but you either don't offer subscriptions or even if you do, not everyone's going to subscribe. So you know, for the users that in theory want to rebuy from you, putting the messaging in front of them so that in theory, like you, you, you know, give them that reminder. You know, these are all things that, you know, even if you're doing it, you know, think about, okay, in your welcome flow, for example, um, are you serving a, a first purchase discount incentive, which you know, it's kind of like par for the course at this point of like, if you're not doing that to you know, grow your email list, then your email list isn't going to grow. Um, but what is that incentive? Is it a 10% off? Is it 20% off? Is it $10 off 50? Um, you know, test that offer. And that's not even necessarily something you need to do, you know, with any sort of complex tooling. Like you could just run a, a simple A-B test in Klaviyo and then serve that, you know, the appropriate content within your welcome flow. But then also simple things, like simple, simple things, like not using a welcome 10 code and using a, a single use code that's specific to that user instead. Or when you're using a single use code, having it be time dependent. So, you know, it's only valid for seven days. And and you could say that it's only valid for seven days for a generic code, but, you know, people, you know, figure it out. And even if it's only set to be used once on an email address, well, they just use a different email to get that code each time. Yeah. So are you saying to, uh, to use use the single use code yeah. versus a welcome 10? Yeah, 
One hundred percent. I, I found you, that it converts. Can you higher. just describe why? Yeah, I found that it, it converts. Con- it converts higher. It, it gives um, users, and we I've ran plenty of tests like this before. Like it, it. The, I guess the high level summary is it gives users maybe a a feel that hey, this is unique to me. I mean, me as, as yeah. a consumer, that's what I feel like if I receive that from a brand where I know like all right, you know, this is something that you know, maybe I wouldn't be able to get again because it is a code that is specific to me as the one user versus just like something that's yeah. out there and lives. And also having that time dependency is a big factor too on conversion. Like, you know, my typical recommendation is you have a welcome flow if it's 10% off or you have three messages over the course of, let's say a seven day period, you know, that seventh day is when it expires. You know, that third message becomes really, really important. And then you can play even more, more messaging beyond that um, off of that, like the next day after they don't use the code after it expires, you do a, a letter from the founder. Hey, I upgraded your discount. It's now 15% off, you know, one, one day more only like type of thing, which also, you know, does really tend to convert really well. And, and I've seen that time and time again with so many different um, types of companies that we work with. Like, you know, no matter what you're selling and no matter what your price point is, um, you know, simple like adjustments to that. Cause it, like the other side of it, like I've seen, all right, maybe you have a, a welcome flow and there's one email that serves and it's just that one generic message and then that's it. And then, so all that revenue that could have come from these subsequent messages you're losing out on others, you have a pop-up on the site and then here's your code within that pop-up, which I don't like. Um, and then there's no email at all. And then, so there's no reminder. Somebody exits out of the pop-up, oh, where's my code? And that just becomes a customer service nightmare. I'm going to recap some of these because you have a lot of gold hidden in here that I think just focusing on some of these tactics can make a big improvement in just overall conversion rate. But the the unique code, so the single-use code, that's you know alpha, numeric, and impossible to remember for 99.9% of the population. Obviously coming in, if they're coming in via email, do you do the click, like they click, to go back to the site and it automatically applies to the discount for them to the cart. Yeah, hundred percent. Do that as well. Like that's an easy thing. Like sh- like for Shopify, Shopify discount uh, discount links. So you can yeah. you know use that even with a Clavio uh, single use code. Uh, that's an easy like structure to set. Um, I won't walk people through. That's probably too too specific for this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you just Google that and it's easy. But yeah, yeah. We'll see the single use code that that is either shown in the pop-up or maybe they see it in a marketing ad or something like that. But you come to the site and then, especially on mobile, you're just wondering like, what was that code? How can I find it? Right. So testing, just having that code stick like sticky it somewhere and make it accessible so the user can go back, click the copy uh, and apply it in, in the checkout versus having them try to you know, bounce between two windows on their phone to type it in and, and obviously get frustrated and bounce. Any other, any other just initial email audit tactics? Yeah, abandoned cart flows. I mean, aside from the welcome flow for most brands, like that's going to be the, the largest revenue driver uh, on the automated flows side and really like honing in on like what messaging you're serving there. So I see far too often a lot of brands will just serve the same two or three messages in that flow to any user. So they'll put a discount incentive of some kind, and that's going to serve every time to every user, no matter how many times they bought from you. Um, they don't necessarily yeah. want to do that because you're ultimately just giving up revenue. Um, if someone's going to return and keep buying, like don't give them the expectation that they're going to get a 10 or 15% off every time. Um, you know, still maybe serve that 
let's say you have a welcome offer for 10% off and someone's been in the list now for past their seven days and they still haven't placed an order before. Well, you can set a conditional split in your automated, in your abandoned cart flow um, that will serve a specific me- um, message to those users and then include yeah. another a 10% off offer to users that haven't bought before. But if they have, then serve them something different and something that let's say, all right, um, they bought before, so there's going to be an abandoned cart set of messages that doesn't include a discount. Or you know, maybe they haven't bought in six months, and then maybe you think about funneling them back to the other side again. There's there's different ways to approach that, but what I, I do recommend to brands like all the time is don't just serve like the default like templated messaging. And sometimes, even in an almost positive way, you know, brands will see like, all right, we we activated this stuff. We haven't even touched it. It's just the generic Clavio message. It just has like the default colors and our logo's not even there. But hey, it's working. So like, why would we touch it? <laughs> well, there's just, you know, that 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 kind of speaks to, well, it could be doing so much better uh, at the end of the day. If you make it on brand and you make it easier for people to buy and you're using, you know, language and copy that is more you and your brand. And then, you know, by all means, test everything. Um, you know, test the formatting of a new message, test subject lines, um, you know, test what the calls to action are. Um, because that that's gonna help get you to that point of um, you know, what we're talking about of of increasing conversion rates and raising AOV and you know, doing all those things. Before I recap some of these tactics, how much time if someone is not testing subject lines and copy or maybe personalization keys inside the email, how much time should someone have to expect to invest to quote unquote, like test it and set all of these, not, not the, you know, five to seven different tactics, but just testing these different subject lines. How much time should someone have to take or, or invest in that? Honestly, I probably say shorter than most people would say, or how they, how they'd answer that question. Like, shouldn't really be very long at all. Like, obviously you want to put thought into, you know, content formatting and what your copy is, but more often than not, like when I'm setting a split test uh, for, for subject line, it's all the content is set. I'm now familiar with what I just created within that email. So I kind of have a feel for, okay, what do we want to say in that subject line, in that hook and in that preview text? And then just as we're like in the process of scheduling over like a minute or two, I'll create two, three, four different iterations of subject lines and preview test, uh, text and and you know that's it. Um, again, that that's probably shorter than most will say. You, you, you obviously want to put thought into you know, what goes out there, but it <laughs> should brain lock happens. Right. It shouldn't be something that like you're spending any like too significant amount of time beyond just a few minutes um, to really like you know, figure out what the the subject line is going to be, because you'll you'll get a feel for it as a as a brand marketer. You'll know over time the types of things that work, and then you'll know kind of when it feels appropriate to um, you know kind of shift things up and give it a change to like maybe just give people a different look, or in theory give you know your Gmail inbox a different look, and maybe you get into the you know the main inbox instead of promotions. But yeah, not not too much time. Do you recommend trying any of these AI copy generators like Copy AI and Jarvis? I think is another one. They might have just renamed actually, but just just for those that just it's very hard to come up with because it's the you get the perfectionist feeling like yeah. I don't like that subject line or it's just drop in like drop in your existing headline or subject line and just click a button and get variations automatically populated for you or created for you. 
Yeah, those tools are really great ways to, you know, get the ideas flowing and and to, mm-hmm. you know, help with like that writer's block. Third-party tools are great. Actually, Clavio just in the last couple of weeks released their own subject line generator direct in platform. So you can click a little button next to the subject line field and then, you know, you, you type in a few different details and it'll pop in like a few different options for you. Nice. Clavio did not pay me to uh, tee that. One. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Didn't pay us to tee that up. Right. Yeah, no, for, I, it just, uh, just, it just hit record. me like that, that they just did that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like anything that helps, you know, any individual, like just kind of, um, you know, inspiration and, and, you know, helps them pump that content out. It's, it's all good things. All right. So to try to wrap some of these uh, tactics in Clavio, so I'm just going to rattle off a few that I was taking notes on. So one, under Armour example, go Terps. We have the uh, repeat purchase. So sending a $10 gift card that's available for two weeks uh, after your initial purchase. I'll, I'll go a step further. I'll cut you off. I'll go a step further with that one. So with a post-purchase offer, what I do like to do for, for any merchants that we're working with is kind of base what that minimum threshold and then therefore the discount is based on um, like AOV. That's just kind of like a rule of thumb that I've come up with. I'm, I'm by no means like any genius on this, but um, you know, if AOV is like around a hundred, then, then we may do like a $20 off a hundred or if AOV is like 500, then maybe it's like 50 off 250 or maybe it's something like we just did one a uh, couple days ago where it's, you know, we're testing like a 50 off 250 or a hundred off 500 or, you know, the amounts can differ for every brand ultimately. And, and not just the minimum thresholds, but what the, what the offers themselves are. But what I am a really big fan of, and something that also, again, we've tested, um, the fixed price discount over the percentage based discount specifically for this post-purchase type of flow I've found and what we've done has been more impactful. Like the rule of, so not following the rule of 100. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. What's that one? Uh, I'm probably going to get it wrong because we're recording, but it's if the price is less than $100, then use a dollar amount, like use $10 mm-hmm. off instead of 10%. And if mm-hmm. it's greater than 100, then use a percentage basis. So if it's $200, then you use, again, it might be reversed, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but the, yeah, the rule of 100. Um, anyway, so I wasn't sure if that was, it was a play off of that. Yeah, it's kind of along those lines. Like the way I think of it as you, you can use that messaging to go back to the Under Armour example, like you've earned an Armour card. So it's it feels a little bit more um, to me, like I don't mean to speak too broadly, but it, it feels a little more, real like there's like that hard amount i have this amount this ten dollars that i need to spend versus like well everybody does a ten percent everybody does a twenty percent like it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's harder yeah. psychologically to like process a percentage versus like what is just like that dollar amount that i'm getting off and and we found in many cases where like that tends to to outweigh some of the percentage-based offers specifically in that scenario i mean there's it's again different for every brand which is the reason why you test things but um that but that's just one thing that we found cool so that's another attack that kind of rolled up into that one just as we summarize this for email is testing the offer whether it's the welcome the repeat the you know pop-up is don't just do the welcome 10 and just set it and forget it is test that one-time buyers so this was talking about subscriptions even if they didn't buy a subscription and you sell subscriptions is make sure that one-time buyer is also getting that reminder that would be close to around the same time that you would ship that uh 
uh, not fulfillment, replenishment, like the reorder, uh, testing the welcome offer. We talked about the welcome 10 versus single use code and uh, what you've seen with that. Um, I really like the after the you know discount code expires is then send a letter that's from the founder that's like, hey, this your coupon code expired, but here's I extended it over another week or whatever it might be. And uh, a couple others like the, towards the end, the abandoned cart flow is split the messaging between the non-buyer and the repeat. That way, the repeat purchasers that abandon their cart, they're not getting that same messaging, copy, content, et cetera, that is likely written for the first time buyer or the non-buyer in this. So that's the email. Let's uh, let's move to SMS. And in this, uh, how to double your conversion rate in 100 days, a theoretical scenario. Let's assume that the brand is doing a little bit of SMS or none at all uh, versus, you know, they have a fully robust SMS program built out. What are some of the initial tactics that you would take that might be a little bit different than what we just talked about with email? So first is you know, thinking about what tool you're going to use for SMS. Um, over the last two years, as this has really become more so in the forefront for most marketers, like, all right, we know that we need to collect phone numbers. We know we need to serve messaging. Um, there's a lot of really good tools that are out there. Attentive is out there. SMS Bump is out there. Emotive is out there. Postscript is out there. I, I more often than any of these other tools recommend Klaviyo uh, for two very specific reasons. And this is not I know I've mentioned it a lot. This is really not meant to be a commercial for Clavio, but um, you know, there's a reason why like 60 to 70% of Shopify merchants ultimately use it as an email platform. Um, but uh, again, for two reasons. One, from a cost perspective, they made a very specific strategic change to how they structure their costs uh, about a year ago, uh, where it's no longer on a per message basis, but it's just charged on a, a tier of how many subscribers you have and and technically the amount of messages you send to but it's just you know it's not one cent or two cents per message and the effective per message uh cost is essentially lower than most other services that are out there i think maybe postscript is a little bit lower but even so beyond that what i think is even more important is having the ability to have email and SMS built within one platform is massively impactful. And I think very, very underrated um, because Clavio's SMS tool has emerged only really within the last two years since they released it versus some that have been around for a little bit longer. But you know, having the ability to have one uh, source of truth or one, one profile for users where their information as it relates to what messages they've received um, all remains in one place super, super important, but also then the ability to play like an abandoned cart flow uh, with SMS and email off of each other within that same uh, flow of communication, which is also really important because when you're using two different tools, then you know you can account for when this person has received an email and okay, we're going to then instead serve that SMS like an hour after instead of half hour to, to balance things out. But you can't create dependent logic based on a certain action that someone has taken in an email, and therefore we want to send this text or vice versa. And and that's a really, really powerful thing that is ultimately the reason why I do recommend that folks keep it within the same platform. So, sorry to cut you off there real quick, but just to dig, dig into that comparison, do you, in your experience, do you feel like most still are using Attentive and Clavio because maybe Attentive is they're able to capture more phone numbers ultimately. I don't, 
I don't necessarily know how robust the Clavio phone number capture. I mean, the int- attentive one, and I'm sure PostScript as well, but it's the you know welcome mat and it's into your email and, oh, you need your phone number too in order to actually get that coupon. And who knows how long that strategy, that type of maybe dark design is going to work. But I, I'd have to think, and that's what I've seen in the Shopify Plus Facebook group, just people talking about it is, I think that you just capture more phone numbers with some of these other, other services, which ultimately might... You know, the revenue lift from that might outweigh the cost differences. I'm just theorizing. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I haven't found that to be the case. Um, like I've had merchants I've worked with that, let's say, have been on attentive that have decided to to come over to Clavia to bring things all together. Um, and we really haven't seen any any drop off now. Okay. Different platforms, you know, say that they offer different features as far as like opt in, but you know, from what Clavio has released recently, I think everything is is pretty comparable to what's out there. Um, okay. As far as like uh, like two tap messaging for mobile, um, you know, opt in keywords and things like that. So um, I really haven't seen anything. I really haven't seen anything, but like nothing too significant, I'll say, in terms of differences yeah. between you know opt-ins on, on what platform they're on. Okay. What about just in general content within SMS? What have you seen perform better than others? And I, I won't share one that I got this morning that was... Not good. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> Not, I'll, I'll pull up to read it, but yeah, just curious what uh, what you've been seeing perform well versus... Uh, Versus not performing well. So the the thing that I always say to merchants, especially for those in a situation where they, they are just first starting out with SMS or or you know, they have a let's we'll call it a smaller list relative to other brands. You know, you want to be sensitive to the amount of messaging that you're sending, and you want to make sure that you're sending relevant messaging to those specific users. So um, what I've seen a lot of brands kind of fall into is using SMS solely as like a sales tool, like, uh, hey, we're running this sale and here by now. And that's a really good way to get people to unsubscribe pretty fast. Um, you know, your unsubscribe rates with SMS are going to be high to begin with. So you, you want to try to make it not as easy for them to just like feel like they're not getting any value out of the experience. Um, and, and it's not easy, um, you know, finding ways to be a little bit more personable, kind of authentic. I hate to use too many buzzwords, but, um, <laughs> but, but ways to like, not just be a sounding board for what sales that you're running. So doing yeah, things yeah. like, you know, asking questions and running polls and having certain messaging serve based on a user's response and not always necessarily sending something to customers with the intent of getting them to the site to buy something. Like you can run a campaign that is literally just to engage and to ask them a question and get them to respond. Use it as a survey platform almost because it's easy to say like, okay, A or B, this option or this option and type A. What's your average unsubscribe rate that you see? Yeah. If you send it to a wider group of users, like you could see it around like 3% for one message. So, and that's like, that's high, but it sounds very high, but um, that's, from what I've seen, like for, for wider sent messages, like average. Um, yeah. So like segmentation becomes a big thing also. So, um, you know, users that are opted into SMS, but what have they purchased in the past? Or when did they opt in? Or how many orders have they placed historically? Or uh, when was the last time they were active on site? Or uh, where did they sign up from? Um, and, and the same goes for email, by the way, in terms of like how you should segment things out. But, but for SMS especially, really honing in on certain groups 
and then pushing that messaging out there. And it's funny because, you know, we talked a little bit before about, you know, pulling that trigger and like subject line generators and having that writer's block, like the same kind of thing can happen mm -hmm. for SMS too, because you want to be, you want to be personable and funny and witty. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. You know, sometimes if you just treat it as like, think of it as a conversation, um, if you have the resources, like you have somebody on your team that's going to, you know, maybe put a campaign out there and you want to get responses from users and someone yeah. that has the ability yeah. to, to be doing that, that responding, that can be a really great way to handle SMS. Um, in general, like my advice to brands, if like you're really just starting out with it, you don't necessarily have that dedicated resource. Having, you know, just a couple of campaigns that might go out in a given month, you don't want to overwhelm users with messaging, like some of that, that wider messaging to wider groups. So maybe one or two campaigns a month, but I wouldn't go much crazier than that again, because unsubscribe rates are pretty high, about 3%. So you just want to, you want to have a fair balance. Cool. So let's, uh, I'm going to put a wrap on the email and SMS and based on if someone went through and implemented, you know, majority of these different tactics, would you say it's fair that they could take a average of 3% conversion rate to 6% if they followed these uh, tactics for email and SMS? Yeah, I think so. I think they should absolutely see an improvement. Um, I always hate to give hard numbers, as I'm sure you probably do too, because it, it, it is... <laughs> You're going to get some emails when people only go from three to 5%. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's just, it's different for every business and it's different for like, you know, what are you, I, I get the question all the time and I think you put something up on LinkedIn maybe the other day or, or something, you know, I get questions of like, well, my conversion rate isn't any good and I need it to be X amount. And it has nothing to do with that. It, it's about this morning you put it up or I saw it this morning you had, there was like a chart but but yeah like having an understanding of like okay what's what's sort of like the baseline for maybe for the industry that we're in sure but what's our baseline like what has our conversion rate historically been over the last month yeah, exactly. six months one year and then these changes that we're going to make then where is that conversion rate for our business going to go because there's there's so many different ways to manipulate that number um, not maliciously but you know if you're running $100,000 in ad spend, well, 50% of those users, at least 60%, 70% are going to bounce right away. So that's going to hurt your conversion rate. So it's, you know, it's it's just figuring out what that baseline is. And run your forecasting. So what's, what is a, if you just look at a channel, take an email, which is a little bit more direct, you know, direct response than prospecting, but going from 2% to 3%, if that's going to be a $200,000 lift potential in a month, then you can start carving out, okay, then it makes sense to get a conversion copywriter or invest in these the time and the testing and and seeing how that moves the needle. Uh, all right, so let's uh we're uh forty five minutes in roughly. I want to make sure we get through some ads to landing page optimization since obviously prospecting and just driving social traffic is part of every brand strategy or majority post iOS still. What are what are some some tips and tactics that you have on just that, you know, add to landing page to purchase or potentially add to landing page to email sign up and then get them into these flows that we just talked about? Yeah. So first and foremost, here's my Elevar commercial. <laughs> I, I have seen in the last six months for a lot of clients ever since like really diving into the platform and getting um, you know, getting folks to sign up. We have from what we can see, really closed the gap from 
the, the gap that has been created from iOS 14.5 and the data that we ultimately weren't getting from advertising. Um, and it's been super, super impactful for advertising optimization across the board. So if I can say that, I will, I, I will um, you know, fly the Elevar flag high as high as I can um, because it's really been a, a very specific help for all of the clients that we're working with on the ads management side. But Awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. As far as like um, just ads management goes and, and how to you know, potentially structure advertising and you know, what to do to optimize that experience for users, you know, it's very much like you know, how you might manage the email channel. You know, thinking about what, what are you sending users to? So what's that landing page? So are you, you know, using one piece of creative that you're sending users to the homepage? Or you're using that same piece of creative and you're sending users to a landing page that's talking to the specifics of that product or that collection or that partnership announcement or that whatever it is? Um, you know, in theory, sure, that should convert higher, but does it? Finding that out is really important. Um, and the same can be said for the actual content of your advertising too. Forgetting like all the specifics of, um, you know, optimization events and targeting and all of the things that also play a factor. But if we're just talking about, you know, a, a purchase optimized ad campaign with um, either you know, this image or that video or this piece of copy or a lookalike audience versus this interest-based audience or, you know, whatever it might be, figuring out the right combination of content and um, setup is obviously super, super important. Um, so there's, it's harder to answer, you know, what's the best approach because it, it's, it changes every day. It changes so much more rapidly because of you know algorithm changes with Facebook and you know iOS fourteen point five and also just the things that do work for one brand versus don't work for another. Or this video is doing really great this week, but then now this week it's tanking, and then this other ad is doing better. So you know the things that I I do recommend though that folks should think about in terms of like converting users from advertising. Like, think about the experience that that user is having. So, you know, let's say they, they see a video that's showcasing a new product that you just put out and it's a, a prospecting campaign. It's something that's going to, you know, new users that have not purchased from the brand before as best as you can. And, and it certainly helps having Elevar, like you're excluding users that have purchased in the past. So they've seen this video, they're interested, they click, they go through to the site. Like I said before, like what's that experience when they click? Are they are they going to a landing page that's tied specifically to that product? Is it showcasing content that is similar to what they saw in their ad? Are you running pop-ups, but you don't necessarily want users to see that. You want them to see what's contained within that landing page. So making sure the pop-up is excluded from that particular URL. You know, that's that's actually one that like I, I don't see people doing often enough. Cause like you might want to showcase a particular offer from an ad that is a a certain product at a special price or it's a bundled item and it's X deal. And then all of a sudden here's this 10% off. And then it's, well, why can't I use the 10% off on this thing? Well, this is a part of a separate deal. And then they, they bounce before they can even get customer service to give them that answer. So thinking about really every single step that a user is going through when they are 
um, you know, being served an ad. So audit, audit the entire flow as a customer. So go to your Facebook ad library, click the ad like you're a customer, try to replicate that experience and see where you might get, or maybe, maybe not you, but have someone else do that and, and give you the tips on, you know, this didn't seem right, or this code didn't work or whatever it might be. Is that, is that an, in essence what you're, you're describing? Yeah. hundred percent. 100% for sure. Curious, are you or any of the, the brands that you work with either big in YouTube, like trying to get into YouTube or TikTok or any of the other, I won't say it, the non-Facebooks and Google ads? Yeah, it depends on the brand. Like we, we do focus a lot ultimately on, on like Facebook and Instagram ads just because like that that's where our expertise is and, and Google ads. But, you know, more and more we've been doing a lot more on TikTok for sure. You know, the thing that I'll say there is from a content perspective, you really got to think about what you're putting out. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, Oscar winning creative yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's being posted. But, you know, it, it should be something that feels natural to the platform because more so than elsewhere, like the creative is, is what matters on TikTok, whether it's, it's for organic or for paid. And, you know, also understanding that it's, it's almost even more top of funnel than like Facebook and Instagram ads can be. Like you're going to get a lot of potential. Like if you have something that really hits well and something that in theory, like, okay, makes people want to go to your site to buy, you're, you might get, I don't want to say more clicks to your site via organic search than you would like direct clicks, but you'll get a pretty significant amount. So then also speaks right to the thing that we talked about before of like, okay, you're running this ad and it's doing fairly well and it's serving at a high volume and getting users to click, but then you're also getting all this organic traffic users going to the homepage. Um, what are you doing on your homepage that might ultimately speak to how you are marketing the brand through paid advertising? Or are you creating a landing page that says like seen it on TikTok and showcasing, like embedding that content and then displaying the the product itself and other images with the product and more information about it and letting that information rank so that people click through to that. It's like this, you know, this thing and then this thing and then this thing. And then all of a sudden, like this little snowball that you started with, it's now like the size of a room, like all of the different things to think about, but it all ultimately plays a factor when, when you're using in TikTok for sure, but really for any ad platform. And just to, to circle off on your question about YouTube also, you know, YouTube is not necessarily for everybody. Like you, there's, there's it, the, the, its own quirks for that platform in terms of how you hook users in and how you want something to be informative and not like, you know, you get the ad where it's like a 30 minute thing where somebody's talking about all the amazing things that they're going to do for you to transform your business. And then they like never actually say anything <laughs> until you click through to the landing page and you pay, you know, $995 to buy a four week course for how to run your Facebook ads or something. I get those all the time just cause like, that's what I'm doing. Like I, because I do what I do online. Like I just, I get inundated with stuff like that, but, but yeah, same thing. Like it doesn't have to be Oscar winning creative, but, um, you know, something that adds value in theory, either to new potential customers to educate them on products or to, you know, hook users in that have been customers before that you want to have help them to make their next purchase. You know, if it's something more on a content angle around, you know, what you offer in terms of the products that you sell, like that type of stuff really does well and, and can kind of live 
over a longer period of time on YouTube for sure. Yeah. And if anybody listening wants a good example of YouTube brand, go see Umzu, what they're doing with the educational content and their founder. I don't know if you're familiar, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the, I'd say the brands that there's a little bit of content associated with their site, whether it's, you know, keto or everything that's going on and just subscription land with food. It's there's, there's a lot of education that you might just, it might be buried on your site that you can pull that out, put that on YouTube and then just start. And this is something else that I've learned. This is kind of outside the bounds of doubling conversion rate, but you start bidding on those organic searches, like how to start a keto diet or something like that. But you're, you're bidding on and driving traffic to your organic content. And then you, you know, get those, get that top of funnel traffic in, get them, put them through a quiz, get them on an email, get them on SMS, and then ultimately convert them through all of your tactics. Yep. hundred percent. Nailed it. All right. Well, we're uh, approaching an hour here, how to double your conversion rate in a hundred days. It sounds like two, uh, three, if we just bucket these, number one, really ensure that you understand who's on your site and how they resonate with your messaging, your content, et cetera. That's going to be one big bucket and that can tie into testing, optimization, et cetera. Big bucket number two, we'll put email and SMS in there. This is going to be the bulk of where you drive your revenue. So there's two parts to this. One, optimizing getting people onto your email list. So don't just use those generic offers, et cetera, like you went through. But two, make sure you're not just setting it and forgetting it in terms of your email campaigns. And probably most aren't doing that. They might be doing some tweaking, but they're not taking all you know the, the seven different tactics you went through and continually optimizing, getting that to 2% to 3% baseline benchmark against yourself, not against the potentially industry stats. And then number three is in your more your top of the funnel traffic is ensuring that, again that you that messaging is resonating with the user and go through your flows and make sure that it makes sense to you and uh, if you get want to get creative go the youtube tiktok route well ben uh i know i learned a ton today in the the world of email and sms and optimizing flows how can people get in touch with you yeah they can um learn a little bit more about what we're doing at, at benzetler.com, B-E-N-Z-E-T-T-L-E-R.com. I'm fairly active on social. Everything is just at Ben Zettler, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. See you next time. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.